0: In three, two, one. For business owners, making sales is the mark of success. But if you're not keeping up with the back end, you might not have anything to show for it. To talk to us about how to stop leaving money on the table and collect the cash is revenue recovery expert Dee Bowden. In this episode, Dee shares valuable insights and strategies on how to improve your billing and collections process, avoid common mistakes, and ultimately increase your revenue. So whether you're a small business owner or a seasoned entrepreneur, Dee's expertise will help you streamline your cash flow and achieve greater financial success. Join me now for my conversation with Dee Bowden. Well, hi, Dee. Welcome to the program. We're glad to have you. Hey, thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Now, where are we speaking to you from today? I'm in Maryland. Marilyn, gone to the bay there and had some crabs and yeah. lovely. Cut up all your fingers with all the salt on those things, though. Oh my but, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you need trays of them. Well, thanks for being here and talking about collect the cash. You're a recovery consultant. You work on revenue recovery. You help install systems into organizations and companies and small businesses. And I thought it would be interesting to have you on because we have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs. They have side gigs, they have side hustle. They work for companies and organizations. And you have a very unique take on what you do. And I thought it would be very interesting to have you on Becoming Preferred because it's all part of that service and that experience the customer has with the organization. So Absolutely. let's, yeah, let's start with how you got there. So he's going through school and you decide, hey, I've got lots of directions I can go in my life. I'm going to go this way. How did you get to where you are today? Great question, Michael. So how I got
1: here is this. So the backstory is, so let me do it this way. So I'm originally from Boston. I'll give you the fun facts first and then I'll answer that. Sure. So the fun facts are I'm originally from Boston. Great town. Uh, yeah, B-town. So I'm originally from Boston. I live in the great city of Maryland. My fun facts are that I love smooth jazz, Ferris wheels, and great wines, both the red and white. So those are the fun facts. Now, how did I get here? How did I get here was basically through my career. So my career started off doing accounts payable for an engineering consulting firm, and then I became a contract administrator, and then I learned that everything in business is always handled through a contract. And then, of course, the big story that got me here I'll give you that in a second, but the second story was this. So working for an engineering consulting firm, I became a contract administrator, and the construction division was building a water filtration plant up in Hemlock, New York. And the project got stopped because of invoices not being prepared properly. And hundreds of thousands of dollars got held up because the invoices were not submitted right. The city of Rochester was like, we're not paying you until you fix this. And I began this whole thing of, oh, you have to solve problems. You have to do customer service. And then I had to express gratitude to the person who told me why they were holding up the money. And it's just so funny. So those three skills have been a part of this entire process. But the real story, which is what everybody was in there, was like, how do you get to collect the cash? So about 15 or more years ago, I used to work for a small IT company outside of Boston where I'm from. Michael, you've worked in corporate. You know how it is. You get right. hired, welcome aboard. Here's your cubicle, here's your office, and here's your set of accounts. Well, in my case, it was welcome aboard. We have a collections team. We need one more person. And it's like, okay, can you help us collect $8 million? And I'm like, y'all have how much? They're like, yeah, $8 million in outstanding receivables. This is a small IT company who sells IT services, software licenses, all the things. They have a a whole team, but the team was not able to crack this code. So they're like, here, here's your cubicle, here's your list of accounts, here's your aging, get to work. So I sit quietly and I'm like, okay, y'all have not figured out how to collect $8 million. They're like, no. And we're talking like 60, 90, 120 days past due.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: I'm like, okay, y'all, got it, no problem. So I get in the cubicle, I get quiet, and I know that whenever you're doing business-to-business business or business-to-government collections, it's always problem-solving. I say it this way. I'm always answering the question, of what had happened was. <laughs> it's always, what had happened was. And so I started getting on the phone, dialing for dollars in this way. I'm calling to speak to the person accounts payable. And I speak to them. And one person in accounts payable said, hey, D, the reason that of the $8 million, $2 million is held up is because we changed our billing system. It'd be going from saying using Microsoft Excel to say using QuickBooks. And they sent out an email to all the vendors saying, listen, we're changing billing systems. And in order for you to continue billing us, you need to reformat your invoices from the old system to the new system We'll re we upload them and we'll pay you. And I said, so when did you notify everybody? I'm like, oh, we said out two months ago. Evidently, either A, the company I used to work for never got the email, or B, it ended up in spam. Or C, somebody was just like, that's not that serious. Well, with one phone call, I recovered $2 million right. by problem solving, by asking the question. So I take that email to the comptroller and she says, are you serious? We can get $2 million back if we just reformat these invoices and resubmit them. Yes. Yes. So in 60 days, I recover $6 million. And then the CEO says, we're going to have a chat. Now you work in sales. So sales gets commissions. AR right. might get a bonus. Well, I'm thinking I've collected my six. The team has collected all their money. We're coming downstairs. I'm thinking he's going to tell us all, hey, everybody's doing great. We're getting bonuses, You know, commissions, all the things. Nope. Thank you so much for coming downstairs. We've made an executive decision. We're closing the company today. You've got 30 minutes to go pack up your cubicle and leave. After we collected all this money, the whole company got shut down. All of us left our jobs two months before Christmas. Wow. True story. And so all this happened to me years ago. This is the impetus of why I do what I do, because this was a small company, 100 people. So you got to think about it. Small business owner, they're selling all the things, they're making lots of money. And you've got people who are tied to the business, meaning they show up to get a paycheck. And I'm thinking, huh, Nobody, nobody saw that this was coming. Or B, they did see it, but they just didn't tell anybody. It didn't care, one. yeah. Yeah, didn't care. And so I care that small business owners and entrepreneurs and side giggers learn to track your payments, track your sales, and keep up with this thing. My saying is this, collect the cash. The sale is not complete until the money's actually in the bank. Now, in, in the story, yes, the company, they got the money. They let us go. And of course, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I wasn't upset. Of course, I was upset. I mean,
0: I worked. I got to right. back. Right, you worked your butt off and made it yeah, happen. and it happened.
1: Yeah. But, Here's the thing. It's also part of life. The one of the lessons for business owners is this. Well, we'll get into it, but it's more that you have to know, you know the state of your accounts, how many sales do you have. That's one thing, but more importantly, how much money is out there and how much money is owed to you. You have to have a tracking system, which we'll talk more about that in a little bit.
0: Yeah, staying on top of it. And it's interesting because people don't talk about this, and I think you have a very interesting take on it. It's one of the fundamentals and pillars of a successful business is your financial system and your processes. And outstanding invoices are more common than most people realize. And What are some of the most common reasons that you encounter in your work for why business or corporations aren't paying their bills in a timely manner?
1: Oh, great question, Michael. First thing, reason why they're not paying them, proper invoices. If people don't learn how to submit a proper invoice, and a proper invoice is the name of your customer. The contract number if you have one, what are they buying from you? It's sneakers, it's services, you have to notate that. How much is the invoice for? And depending upon if you work in corporate or government or not, there's usually like a period of performance, like what you know, right. deliverable and that part. And then the remittance information, who are they supposed to make the checkout to or EFT it or ACH, the payment to, and then how much is owed? And also if their client requires what um, we use old school term, we call it backups, is basically receipts. So if they say you have to submit this invoice, plus I need proof of your travel or whatever the receipts are, if you don't follow the instructions, a huge reason why a lot of invoices don't get paid is people don't pay attention to instructions. They don't read.
0: Right, yeah, (laughs) That, that happens.
1: That happens a lot. They don't read. Because here's the thing, I get it. When you first get your client, you first get your contract, you are over the moon with excitement, as you should be. But after the excitement, after the excitement wears off, you have to seriously pay attention to the details because the fortune is in the follow up, but it's also in the details. And if you don't pay attention to the contract, when they tell you prepare your invoice like this, I speak more from a government space or a consulting space because usually there's terms and conditions that tell you so many copies of invoices plus receipts, so many copies, et cetera, whether it's that or not. You need to pay attention to how is the invoice supposed to be submitted and to the right department.
0: Mm. And people are tentative about when it comes to asking for money sometimes. And, and the bigger the client, like we have examples of big corporations. I remember having a client where we sold him a six-figure training deal. It was big. We were excited. We were excited to have him as a client. It came the big day for us to get our check and it didn't come. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling the executive and he says, oh, we'll have it for you. And I'm going, well, you've already violated the contract. I'm not getting on an airplane and I had to fly to this location across the country to go do it. And I said, I'm not coming until this is done. We're going to have to delay. And he goes, well, we can't delay. We've got a whole team. And I go, but we're just getting started. This is day one of our relationship and you guys aren't keeping to the terms. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's start over and when this happens, we'll show up. So he phones me back an hour later and he goes, I will pick you up at the airport and I will have a check with me, certified check with me. So I said, okay, fair enough. But I said, if we don't have that, (laughs) I said, I'm not going on stage. I'm not doing the work. It stops. So. just so you know. Right. And because unacceptable. And we kind of, we did it nicely. I mean, I'm of course, had a good relationship with him and he picked me up and he had the check and that was it. So over dinner, he tells me and he apologizes, but he says the big corporations, part of his incentive plan, part of his comp plan was how long they can keep 60, 90 days out. So yep. when you're a big, big multinational and you can hold on to your money for an extra three months, four months, five months, and string us along a little bit, you can pay payroll with that. If you're holding off a billion in payables for a month, the amount of interest that that can generate can go and pay a lot of bills. Oh, absolutely. But what it
1: also does is that it impacts small and medium-sized companies who don't have a lot of extra money set aside. And they've got their payroll and their projections that they're banking Okay, I just closed this sale. I'm going to provide this service. I'm invoicing and I'm counting on the cash flow to come in so I can meet my own payroll and I can do all the things. And it really can be challenging, especially if you're in the prime subcontractor relationship because the subs don't get paid until the prime gets paid. And if you don't have the build a relationship with the prime, that's one relationship you have to make sure of. And another thing that really can be problematic is if the sub goes to the prime's customer and says, listen, I haven't gotten paid. That right. doesn't go over well at all.
0: No, <laughs> we need all the players to have integrity and to play fairly by the game for the game to work. Because if one domino fails, Absolutely. well, it's kind of like we just saw a run on banks. Where yeah. everybody ran on the banks, right? And there's no money to pay and then make payroll. And small businesses are counting on this stuff. And of course, they're dealing with those issues. Interesting. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e commerce, B2C, and B2B companies gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the ActiveCampaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Dee Bowden. Well, in your book, Collect the Cash, you talk about the importance of having a tracking system. Yes. When's the right time for a new business owner to set up a client tracking system around the money and financial stuff?
1: As soon as you get your first client. As soon as you get your first client, the way the tracking system works is like this. So you should have a tracking system that says this. It's the name of your customer. If you have a contract number or an order number, how much is the contract for? Because if you're billing in increments, you need to know if it's $50,000, you bill this and this and this and this. So right. name of customer, contract number, how much the contract for? Items. What did they buy from you? So whether it's delivery services or product, you're tracking that. When are you supposed to invoice them? That's another thing. When are supposed to get paid? And I have a section called notes. Basically, if you do that process through every client that you have, you'll know, okay, I have 10 clients. This is how much money I have in terms of contracts. And then this is how much money that's in payables that's outstanding. And this is my receivables. And I need to know when is it due. And the other thing with notes is that the first time you go through that process and the invoice doesn't come in, what's the reminder that's going to make you or somebody on your team do the follow-up because the fortune is always in the follow-up whether it's calling counts payable whether it's submitting a copy of the same invoice revised whether it's saying okay did you get everything or a b c or d is there an issue with the invoice because sometimes what happens is unfortunately because we were talking before we went live a lot of people are so excited about getting their sale But after they get the sale, the hype of the sale drops. And then it's the mechanics of the contract, the invoices, et cetera. Paying attention to the details of your invoice is so important. I can't tell you the number of clients on the corporate side and the government side who are like, oh, my gosh, I haven't gotten paid. They get on the phone with somebody and they tell you, oh, the reason we haven't paid your invoice is because you're missing the contract number. Some of the details I just went through and they're like. So I'm not getting paid because this right. Yes, because here's the thing. Just like we have your phone, okay? So all y'all who are listening, whether you're team iPhone or team Android, you will appreciate this. And when you walk into the phone store, they usually welcome you. Uh, hey, Michael. Hey, D. Welcome to whatever phone store it is. What brings you in today? You usually say, hey, something's not working with my phone. The person at the source, first of all, they verify who you are, driver's license, scan your information in, Confirm your account. Then they'll go into, hey, did you know you're eligible for an upgrade? You're like, I wasn't looking for an upgrade. I just wanted to come in and get this thing fixed. Okay. Well, the beginning of the sales process already started. As soon as they say to you, you're eligible for an upgrade, they plant the idea. Then you're like, okay, well, my phone's two years old, but it's working fine, whatever. But hey, okay, I'm thinking about it. So a new phone, walk around the store real quick. You walk around, you're like, hmm, I did find a new phone. All right. I'm eligible for the upgrade. I can take the credit from this old phone, put it to the new phone, pay the difference. I'm into a new phone. So first is a sale. Second is a new contract. Every phone that we have has a contract with the phone carrier. Right. Third, order entry. The person who's doing the business with you, if you get a new phone, they have the barcode on the back of the box. They scan the information, which enters all the information into your account, which is now you had a Samsung, say, 20. Now you're on a Samsung 23. Order fulfillment. They had 10 phones. Now they keep track. Now they're down to nine. So you got sale, right. contract order entry, order fulfillment, accounts payable. Hey, Michael, when would you like for us to invoice you? Which is basically accounts payable. The company bills you. You say, hey, I pay all my bills on the 25th of the month. They set that invoice date in the system. So that's accounts payable. The company bills you. And with that invoice comes your contract, your terms and conditions, and how much is owed. Accounts receivable, which is collections, which is what I do. You tell them you're going to pay them on the date. You pay them. And then the last thing is notes. So sales, contracts, order entry, order fulfillment, Counts payable, counts payable. And I jokingly say, before you leave the store, the cell phone store, you have to go over to the counter and pay for it, either by cash, credit card, debit card, and you're waiting for these two magical words, transaction approved, because you're not leaving until all of those things are in order. And then you leave the store happily as a new customer. But what I just described is that's the tracking system that I just went through a few minutes ago. What I just described with the cell phone, that's what every small business owner needs to do. What are you selling? What's your contract? How do you fulfill orders? How do you keep track of your inventory? How do you bill? How do you get paid? and then transaction approved. The cell phone story is a perfect example for anybody who's thinking, okay, well, how am I supposed to track this? If you just take your cell phone, everybody listening to us, that's what happened with your phone. The, right. th- that very. Well, that's, that's a that good example.
0: Happen. That's a good example of a model of all the steps. I actually just went through this literally last week. <laughs> the same thing. And then you get upgraded and it's like, oh, okay, maybe I will do that. And I want to get the best deal I can yep. and all the variables to it. Well, staying organized is definitely, is what you're saying. You've got to have that tracking system and that's critical. So if you fail to stay organized, the invoice tracking can definitely get out of hand and accounts get missed or they get forgotten. Can you share with us some tools for staying organized?
1: Absolutely. Tool number one, tracking system. I'm back to that because it's for me, that's the anchor of everything. So sure. number one, tracking. Number two, within the tracking system, you can subset that to, okay, clients that are by dollar value. Let's say you have a contract that's $100,000 and you have all the information for those clients contracts that are $50,000, contracts that are 25, contracts that are 10. And you do the same thing, but you're tracking them by dollar value. So you pay, this is my highest dollar value contract. I need to make sure these things happen. Next, then it's 50,000, then it's 25. So put them in it's an 10. order somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Spreadsheet, or
0: do you recommend? Obviously, if you're starting a small business versus a small absolutely
1: spreadsheet. Absolutely, I'm old school. I love Excel. So Excel gives you tabs. You can set up your tabs. So all your contracts that are hundred thousand dollars, you set up a tab for those vendors. Then twenty, then fifty, then twenty five, then ten, and five, and beyond.
0: Excellent. Yeah. In our organization, we used QuickBooks for years and years and years. And I know in our particular organization, I know they prefer FreshBooks. They use FreshBooks for keeping track. And just for us, it works well. And we work in multi-countries and do the different things and currencies. So we're always constantly tracking it. A simple spreadsheet is not going to cost you a monthly service or subscription, and you can easily track it. So that's a good way to do that.
1: Absolutely. And I agree with that. I was going to say I'm old school. I love Excel. Even to this day, I still use Excel. And that's not to discourage anybody from using QuickBooks or FreshBooks. Here's the thing. Done is better than perfect. Let me say that. So done is better than perfect. I would rather you get in the habit of learning to track everything. And then when you feel like you need to upgrade, then you either go get QuickBooks or go get FreshBooks or better yet, you have an accountant or somebody who's an expert in that area teach you how to do this. I can't teach you that. I teach from what I know.
0: Right. Well, and you raise a good point. Like for me, I like to go get the sale. I like to do the sale, get the deal. You get the dopamine head. Hey, yeah, I got one. This is great. High five. But now you got to do the work for the invoicing and boom. And we're always on to the next sale. It's kind of mm-hmm. like it takes away the fun. Yeah. So typically I'll do that the next day or in the next morning. I'll put the details together, send it off to the invoice team, and they'll prep the invoice they'll review it back with our sales folks and then once it's reviewed and it's okay out the door it goes right right and we always require deposits for our work so Mm -hmm. typically if we don't get the deposit there's no work that starts contract doesn't start unless there is a deposit
1: let me interrupt you on that that is such a valuable point because this is something i wish people understood that there's nothing wrong with asking for the money up front Right. Because here's the thing. I'm going to kind of veer off a little bit. I think what happens is for a lot of people that are listening, a lot of people get really sensitive about money, but you're in business. The reason you're in business is to serve and to make money. It's that simple. But unfortunately what happens, I think is that because people don't want to come across aggressive or salesy or whatever the term is. But here's the thing. I'll give you a perfect example. If you own a home, And let's say somebody is coming in to do painting in your home. And when they come to your house, they'll usually tell you, we're going to come over. We're going to give you what? A quote or an estimate. They're going to walk around and tell you, we can do so many rooms. It costs this much money. And before they get the first paintbrush, before they put down the cloths, anything, they're going to tell you, before we can get started, we have to have what? A deposit. And then they'll give you how much it's going to cost them, how many hours, how many people, et cetera. And they'll tell you, let's say it's $2,500. And for us to get started, we need a $500 deposit. And you make the decision real quick. Either you're going to pay $2,500 and you're going to space it out or you're not. But here's the thing. You're not getting anything painted until you make the deposit. And they're also, if you don't keep up with your payments, it's real simple. Your house is not going to be completely painted.
0: Well, your cell phone example is a good one. I did all the paperwork and it said, okay, do today. Right. So we'll do this and due today. There was a percentage that was due today. And if you're going to get your house built, you're going to buy a car, anything, there's always a deposit that is the beginning of the transaction. If you go into a restaurant, they'll serve you for, then you pay, but you pay today. There's no credit terms or established for that, unless those terms have been negotiated or whatever. But I think it's good policy to get your money up front. And most companies expect it too, don't they? If they do push back a little bit, I just acknowledge their pushback and go, oh, that's great. We appreciate it. But we found that this works best for everyone involved and it keeps us ahead because we don't want to spend our time trying to collect it. We're always ahead of our clients. So if the payment stops, we stop and we're covered. So we're never having to chase anything. Well, that makes sense. And like I say, there's some Good strategies there. Now you've said in your book, and I thought this was an interesting take on it, that collections and invoices is an extension of customer service. Absolutely. And I I thought that's interesting. Why do those go hand in hand?
1: Number one, they go hand in hand because it's been my personal experience. So, for example, all of us have had great experience with customer service. All of us have had horrible customer service. I believe that customer service and collections go together. For example, I have to build relationships, just like I had to build a relationship with you before we did this interview. I have to build relationships on behalf of my customers. And so customer service and collections go hand in hand. So I get hired to collect, let's say, $10,000. I'm acting on behalf of my client. So I'm doing customer service. If the invoice was not submitted correctly, if they ordered 10 sets of sneakers and they only got eight, I got to do problem solving to figure out what happened to the other two sets of sneakers. I need to act as if I'm working for that customer. Of course I am, but I'm just saying it for the sake of the audience that I'm working on their behalf because I want to make sure that the interaction they have with their customer, although it's me, it needs to be seamless. And I learned that customer service with collections, B2B collections is this. It's the thanking the person for taking your phone call. It's the Helping me solve the problem. It's the, okay, you know what? I I didn't even realize we made a mistake and we didn't prepare the invoice properly or we sent it to the wrong thing or whatever. Customer service, what we're used to when we call into customer service for whatever issue we have. One, somebody is listening to our story. Right, And good customer service is, I want to hear your story. I'm going to apologize for whatever error was made or whatever inconvenience you've had. And then I'm going to personally, or make sure we as a company fix it. Because I say it this way, in these social media streets, it takes somebody 30 seconds or less to go live and talk about the bad customer service, the bad experience they had, et cetera, et cetera. And then the reputation that you have built gets destroyed because of one bad interaction. That's one. Number two, I just believe, I guess, because I'm old school, and I also just believe that customer service is the thing that we were taught basically as kids. I mean, your last name is Vickers. I'm sure if your parents raised you like they raised me, it was like, okay, when you leave this house, you represent the Vickers. And however you interact with people, if something goes left or right, I'm going to hear about it. Same thing with me. My last name is Bowden. It's like if something went wrong in the streets, it's like, hey, I'm calling the Bodens. Okay, we're not having that. And if those of us who have worked in corporate, we know that customer service is everything. And now they call it the customer experience. What we want to do is, Get ahead of any problems, get ahead of any concerns. And if you've made a mistake, I'm old school. Say you're sorry and fix
0: it. Yeah, we messed up. Sorry, sorry apologize. Move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. And I could see it as part of the customer experience. We want it to be good because if we could have great salespeople, we could have great service delivery people and when all of a sudden they're, they're dealing with somebody who's really negative or nasty. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like what happened here? Start with a nice approach because it doesn't have to be aggressive. And we start with the niceness stuff all the time. I mean, you just get more with honey than you do with vinegar, I guess. Right. Oh, um,
1: absolutely. I think also the reason I put collections and customer service together is this. When most people hear the word collections, especially on the consumer side, They think of people that are aggressive, that just
0: are out to dollars,
1: dollar for 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 dollars.
0: Got a negative connotation to it.
1: And it's huge. And so when I talk about collect the cash and when I talk about what I do, I'm talking about from the business perspective, I'm talking about basically if you're in corporate, you're talking about a chief financial officer, a collections manager, accounts receivable people who are dealing with relationships who have to figure out the problems, all the things. Let me say this. Are there people on both sides that can be aggressive and all the things? Absolutely. Because listen, sometimes month in, you got to meet your quota. But I just happen to have learned through experience That the more that I have built the relationships, the more that I've come back and said thank you, the more that I have gone the extra mile to fix whatever problem it was that's how things turned for me because i tried it the other way and it didn't work and i was like yeah this is not working so okay what does work what works is relationships and i've had people come back and say to me d no one ever comes back and says thank you and i was like hmm that's a differential
0: you asked me about what
1: made you preferred coming back and saying thank
0: you well and if the money is tight but let's say i own my small business and money's tight or the pandemic hit or whatever external thing could be flooding like in california you know the weather issues whatever it is and i can't pay all those bills well community communication comes in handy and And if i can only pay so many i'm going to pay the ones that are nice and kind and i'll explain my situation and we haven't run into that but i would say hey listen we can do this over the next four months we can split it up we'll do it we're happy to cover an interest cost and oh no you know what that's fine we'll waive the interest if you cover the four there's lots of negotiation that can make that work because you want people to be successful with it and at least you know get the money in so asking for money is uncomfortable on both ends really you know uh, so do you have any advice for making it less uncomfortable
1: well one i think number one i say it this way you have to be just as comfortable asking for the money as you were asking for the sale you can't see them as separate i think the end part of the sale is you get paid number one number two i do believe that your tone and how you approach somebody is very important i think that if you come across angry or frustrated or desperate that's just going to escalate the problem with your customer. You're going to be like, well, wait a minute. whoa, 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 what's going on? Now, first of all, it's always old school. Good morning, good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I have this situation. I'm calling following about this invoice. Or in the reverse, if you have a client that owes you money and they tell you, listen, I know I owe you $10,000. I can't do this. Okay, what can you do? You mentioned earlier about partial payments. I'm old school. I feel that some money is better than no money. Now, if you take a partial payment, I believe you need to document that in email, and say, okay, we agreed to, it was originally 10, you're only paying two, you still owe me eight, and it's going to be paid out over X amount of time. And if there's any more services due, those stop until the payments come through. You cannot be afraid to stop working just because you're not getting paid. And then here's the thing, if you're not getting paid, if you don't get paid, you'll handle that part. You can also end up losing more money. You're not just losing right. money, you, you lose the relationship.
0: It's like, we've seen it even with leaders where people have built businesses and don't pay their bills, but then they get deeper and deeper and they get the hooks in you. And you're, think hey i can't walk away from this so i got to finish the job or i'm not getting paid at all and Mm -hmm. they take the risk and then they end up not getting paid having to sue the contractor or sue the business owner and if it's an unscrupulous owner and we've seen this it happens time and time again and people end up losing their shirt and end up going out of business when you find yourself behind on collections Mm -hmm. and say you've ignored it or it's one of those things you just hate to do what's the value of goal setting as a first step for tackling the problem
1: oh great question number one I believe goal setting is this. You need to figure out how much is owed. I come from the invoicing net term. So how much is net 30, 60, 90? Goal is, first of all, net 30. I personally believe those are the fastest ones you can collect, number one, because the right. faster you can get the money in, the faster that builds momentum. Number two, I'm going to work both. I work net 30 and net 90. I'm doing both because the goal is to get money in for that month because you still have obligations. You have payroll cash and flow. all the things, mm-hmm. cash right. flow, And so the goal is how much money is owed And whether it's net 30, 60, or 90, start working those. And I believe in wins. As soon as you get your first win, you need to celebrate that. People are like, are you serious? Absolutely. You have to celebrate that because here's the thing. You get the momentum going. And then once you get that first account collected you're like check in your tracking system you would be able to say payment received next one and next one and you keep going and what that does is it builds momentum and whether it's you the ceo that's doing it or you the small business owner or you have somebody that you train to do it when you teach them how to do it well and after you celebrate them for getting money in for the business you show them that listen i value what you do
0: that's a good point just like the sales team does and keep it as an extension of it. And that's the angle that I find really interesting here. We've always thought of it as a necessary function for companies. And yet it really is an extension of that because it's a necessary part. So I like the angle as a small business owner, you've got people who are maybe got a side hustle, side gig, and they're wearing lots of hats. You're wearing the sales hat, the marketing hat, the accountant's hat, all kinds of things, and a lot of times we get exhausted and we feel beat up. But if I'm a small to medium business owner. When would I begin to enlist help with accounts receivables? And when would I start to look at building a team? Is there a right time where I should be, hey, you know what? I need to farm this out. I need somebody who knows what they're doing. And what should I be looking for when I do seek to outsource that?
1: Great question. Number one, I would say as soon as you get to your first $100,000, you need to start looking. Because basically, I believe most of us can usually handle up to 100K. Because think about it if you were able to get to 100K by yourself, That means you know the systems pretty well. You know all the things. But if you're planning to go from 100K to 250 and beyond, then just as you are all of the different components, now you need to basically create your little chart. Okay, who's good at sales? Who do I know that can help me with sales? Who can help me with marketing? Who can help me with billing? Who can help me with this? And then how do you find them? Well, one, referrals. You have a network. Most all of us have a network. I mean, most of us have always done something by this. Hey, Michael, hey, Dee, who do you know? right but who have you used and how has it worked out for you if your friend says you know i didn't have a good experience or the customer service wasn't well recommend
0: anyone yeah yeah, exactly
1: yeah exactly if there's any issues then number two some of this is going to be trial and error because i mean even if you get the best referred person They might've been great with that person, but they come into your business and it's like, ooh, this is different. I'm not used to this. And you have to be willing to teach them how your process is working, what your expectations are. The worst thing you could do is bring somebody in so you don't sit down with them, explain to them, listen, this is how this business works. We do this, 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 and this. So for example, we always do follow-ups day after we get the sale. We always make sure that the invoice is prepared properly. You have a list of what you always do. And if you're not willing to convey that, that's gonna be a problem because you can't expect because that person comes in, even though they say, they're a great bookkeeper or they're a great biller or whatever, they know how to do billing generally. They don't know how to do billing in your system. And part of how you do customer service for them is teach them your way and set them up for success. That means if you have to dial back a day and teach them, then teach them because here's the thing, they're an extension of you and of your business. If you want your customer experience to be better, what you do on the front end reduces the stress on the back end.
0: What I hear you saying too is train them on your process, you set an operating procedure, how you do it, but also the philosophy of how you deal with it Absolutely. and how important is it and that it's an extension because that's new. That's a new concept. You don't hear that too much. It's always, oh, you got to talk to payables. Or, that's why I think your, your angle on this is good. If you were going to be putting together your most ideal collections team and you're going to build a team, what are some of the key characteristics you'd be looking for?
1: Oh, I need somebody that's, first of all, energetic. That's for sure.
0: Just like that's you. True.
1: Just like yeah, me. Just like
0: me, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, one, they need to be energetic. Number two, they have to have a customer service approach to this. Number Customer
0: centric focus, sure.
1: Yeah. And three, you have to be persistent. Persistence and perseverance, to me, they go together. And then four, you have to be really good at systems. You have to be willing to document what's going on. And you have to be a really good problem solver. Because if you're going to be in this for the long term, problem solving is
0: everything it's like hey how do we solve this problem because we've obviously got a problem and then how do we solve that problem so it requires a little creativity a little ingenuity and a little finesse right oh absolutely a little empathy all of it you would not think of having somebody with those characteristics you know it's a customer service characteristic so as an extension of service that's an interesting thing for hr departments and for companies it can become a point of differentiation for sure as you've outlined so they've got to have all those key characteristics is there a money mindset that they should have when they decide if somebody wants to get into that as a career and goes, Hey, you know what? I like what D says. I think I can bring my skill sets to organizations and companies because it's obviously a problem out there. Is there a lot of work for people who want to get in there and for organizations that hey, like our collections, a big issue? Absolutely.
1: So first of all, if you go on indeed.com, punch in the word accounts, receivable job, 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 jobs come up all the time. Same thing with ZipRecruiter, all the things. So yes, it's an issue. I think the mindset you have to have in this is that you are there to see the company win. For example, when I go back to the second story I shared about me working for that small IT company, when I went to work for them, I was excited because number one, they were a small business. I didn't know a lot about small business at the time, but what I saw was a small company that was serving in this community. They did things in the community, but also they were providing jobs for all the people that came to work for them. And I thought, okay, I can get with this. And I happen to like problem solving. So right. if you're going to do AR, accounts One, you have to enjoy problem solving. I think it's this, you have to enjoy problem solving. You have to enjoy the finesse of building relationships. I think you also have to have a sense of, I'm not just here to solve the problem, but I'm here to get to resolution because you can solve problems, but then you can have repeat problems. I think part of it is also learning that how can you improve the process? Like the way I look at AR is I look at it as, yes, it's problem solving. Yes, this customer service is gratitude, but I'm also looking at how can I improve the process? Because if you think about it, for example, if you keep getting the same errors over and over and over again, well, number one, there's a problem with the way the information is being explained. Yeah, it's a process issue for sure. And secondly, for example, if you're an AR and you keep getting these invoices from AP and they keep using the wrong codes for whatever reason. A five-minute phone call or Zoom or Teams or whatever. Hey, listen, I keep getting the same error from you. Can we meet for five minutes? Let me show you. Because I think what happens is a lot of people, they're in their silo. I just do this. And they right. never think about what else is happening. So if you want to be in this field, you've got to be willing to do relationship building. And number two is you got to be willing to say, listen, we keep having the same error. Let's meet for five minutes. Can we fix this? Because here's the thing. What you don't know is when your information is wrong from your department, I'm keying it wrong, then it's wrong in the system. And it goes through several different other modules, right. other systems, and the information is wrong throughout the entire thing. And then at the end, for my case, so let's say we're closing out the project and somebody's like, man, this has been wrong the entire time. Or if it comes up for audit, that's the worst thing, because what you don't want is I say it gets audited and somebody says, "Okay, how come this information has been wrong for a year or two years or three years? And somebody's like, man, the famous line. No one ever said anything. Right. Right. <laughs> that yeah. part right there. there.
0: Well, and you've obviously seen lots of different systems, lots of different areas. You see the similar things. It's kind of like doing dental work. Fillings and filling. They're just a different mouth, right? Yeah. Let's talk about D-Bone Consulting and your revenue recovery consulting business and your practice. And why and how do companies engage with you?
1: Well, what they do is, number one, they'll schedule a call and they'll talk to me about how much AR is outstanding. And we can right. do one or two things. They'll say, a We'd like to outsource it to you. B, can you come in and can you train our teams? Or three, can you work with us for, say, 90 days and help us understand where we're missing
0: it? So you'll find the holes in their process. You'll find the thing and help them fix their issues. Right. So do that. So you're training their people. You'll engage them. You'll install your methodologies, your processes, and everything along that. And what's the best way for people to find you, D.
1: www.collectthecash.biz forward slash book.
0: Yeah. And we'll have all that in the show notes too. So that's just awesome. And a good reminder too, because I know as entrepreneurs, a lot of times if we're having really good months, we don't pay too much attention to things. We let them slip by. You think, hey, sales are rock and roll. It'll take care of itself. But over time that mounts up and all of a sudden you've got a headache before you know it. So get on top of it. And for companies that are setting up or growing or entrepreneurs or any of our listeners, if they want to set up that structure from the get-go, they can reach out to you via the website and yep. you're available to help guide them and show them what's important. And essential to be in there. So encourage them to do that because I know you're really passionate about the subject and you got some great tips and advice on that. And the book is Collect the Cash by Dee Bowden. Dee will have everything on the website and on the show notes for them to get hold of you. Thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing with us some you. strategies and the importance of collecting the cash and staying in and what it means to business. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it as well. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My executive producer is Beth Smith and director of research, Tori Smith. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. This podcast is subject to copyright by Summit Media. Goodbye.